This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. And with that, welcome into the OBR Newswire podcast. I am your new host, Jared Mueller, but do not fret. I will have Jake Burns on here in just a second so that Jake can tell us everything that he has seen on film for this Monday morning. The great thing about a victory on Thursday is that also means we get to have a victory Friday, victory Saturday, victory Sunday, and victory Monday. So, hope everybody had a great weekend. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of injuries around the NFL that Browns fans did not have to worry about, but took notice of. Uh, First, I just want to talk a little bit, just uh, if you haven't been on the OBR uh, over the weekend, you know, a lot of really good stuff out there. Uh, An article on will the Browns defense struggling matter, Uh, just looking at the last five years of playoff teams and how uh, they have ranked. Obviously, Barry does a great job with the written OBR newswire, uh, giving us all the links, all the things we need to uh, catch up on, and Stephen Thomas always letting us know what's going on in this day in Browns history. Jonathan Kinsley has a piece on how Andy Janovich and Austin Hooper help elevate the run game. Uh, Brandon Bowers, who is a doctor of physical therapy, uh, has a piece for our subscribers up. Um, and then uh, Fred has a piece on Baker Mayfield's bounce back. Jake has a piece on Baker Mayfield uh, from a film room perspective. So just a lot of great stuff there on the OBR. Uh, so make sure that you check out the site today. Uh, if you haven't been on the site all weekend because you were busy doing other things, before I get our guy Jake in here, let me first talk to you a little bit about Visa. Visa knows that local businesses are the heartbeat of our communities. Whether they're our corner stores, our coffee spots, or our favorite shops, local businesses have always been there for us. They remember our orders. They call us by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile to support us and our community. And right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So now it's time for us to return the favor. The next time you go shopping, make the choice to shop at local businesses and look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. And my partner for tonight, Jake Burns. And here we are. So, Jake, how are we doing today, buddy? Good, Jared. Good. It's good to enjoy a Sunday, man. This doesn't doesn't happen all too often. All too often, we get a bye week, and then uh, um, rarely. I think last year, did the Browns the Browns play Thursday night game last year? I don't know. Twenty eighteen, they definitely play the Thursday night game. We all recall Baker's debut. It's like rare we get a Sunday where you know we can sit back, just enjoy football, and your team already won for the week, man. 
Yeah, 2019, I don't even know if that exists anymore. And at, at some level, we're going to delete 2020 except for the Browns season. Oh, so. well, they got a they got a Thursday night game against Pittsburgh last year, which was fun all and, the way until the end. Yeah, and yeah. then the season just went downhill from there. So hopefully that's uh, hopefully that's not something we're going to repeat here. So so Jake, today's the first day we get to flip chairs a little bit, and I get to just you know bask in the glory of your information. So you know we're a few days out from Thursday night's game, while you know we're going into Monday um, for this podcast. So what is your first kind of takeaways from um, Kevin Stefanski's play? calling on offense from week one against the vaunted Baltimore Ravens, who are obviously 2-0 and and looking great, uh, and then into week two and the win against the Bengals. What did you see different um, from Stefanski and the Browns' offense? Well, the scoreboard was in their favor, right? Like Baltimore, <laughs> you know, I think that this is so criminally underrated in the process, and I think that Stefanski and anybody who's run this sort of system back through the Shanahan days into the Kubiak um, structure and all the way even into like cross variations of it in San Francisco with Shanahan and and um, you know I think it's even McVeigh and some others. Rich Gangrello's made his way to to uh, to Philly and then I th- I think uh, Matt or, um, what's his name Lafleur and Green Bay. Anyway, Green Bay. Yep. So the general idea is this offense is a great neutral to being ahead offense. You know, anytime. Defenses are. Let me put it this way: defenses are going to struggle when there are run-pass situations where you have to play them neutrally. You know, if you if you can't cheat, either you know sitting back and, and quickly getting into your pass drops, or you know locking into your man and coverage and not worrying about the run, or if you're worried about the run and you can't, you know, get back to where you need to be, one way or the other, neutral situations are where this offense is best, and I, I'm absolutely positive. Um, neutral to being out in front is what Kevin Stefanski wants to be all the time. Listen, every coach wants to be that way. But this offense, I think, is really, really tough to defend when it is that way. So, you know, Baltimore, you you you, you unfortunately punt, and um, they go up 7 nothing. You try to you try to do some things again, end up punting or faking the punt. All of a sudden, it's 10 nothing. You're playing from behind. They had a nice drive there. We, we liked it uh, to make it 10-6, I think, at the time, because Cyber doinked the field goal. Then you go <laughs> bed down 17-6, and they still – had some neutral drives there, like the drive that pushed them down to about the 20-yard line there when Odell dropped that pivot route. Um, there was obviously opportunity to, to score there. You know, they they were down in, in a position to score, and if they catch an easy throw, it is a chance to score. So, like, I, th- I don't think there's anything crazy difference between week one and week two, but instead it was Kevin Stefanski with the ability to keep a defense on their heels. I like that he came out and boom, boom, play action right away. Um, I think that's important. I think they wanted to show people that we can do this. It's a big part of our offense. And we know Cincinnati was unprepared for it, but obviously their backside threats did not maintain. And this is what the defenses have to think about, too. Like, you know, if you send somebody backside to the quarterback all the time, that's a defender you're losing, right? Like, if, you're, if your backside edge player has to, to, to sort of honor the quarterback boot, that means the cutback lanes that are so vital are typically going to be an impactful spot to, to, uh, to find your way back to. And teams get so good at it. If you remember last year, the wineback that uh, San Francisco did first play of the game, uh, Raheem Mostert <laughs> took it to the house. It was a similar thing, right? They knew that they would be able to wind back, and they put their fullback back on the backside, and it worked. But what I'm getting at is, like, that's when it's really good. When the teams have to – any offense that has to chase um, the scoreboard, you know, as Cleveland had to chase the scoreboard week one, it's just going to be tough. It's it's tough in this league. You have to have a quarterback that can consistently overcome it. There's some in this league. We won't really try to tear off guys like that, but there's some in this league that can do that. Right now, Baker's not comfortable doing that all the time. I, I hope he gets there. It's the hope. But when he's playing out in front into neutral situations, 
Um, this offense is, is is really challenging to defend, and they blocked extremely well at the point of attack. And they they had some very fun um, G kick schemes and had some traditional powers. Not all wide zone, man. Like they had a really fun game plan meant to mess with the Bengals linebackers as, as far as showing the football and changing direction in the backfield counter plays that involved you know G scheme where they're kicking out that backside. I guess it ends up being the play side guard is kicking out the the, the the front side end and they're and they're looping a tight end. Sometimes it would be a Y, sometimes it would be an F that would loop up a fullback loop up in there and pull up into the hole. You know, so the first touchdown was a traditional power, um, a Y or a fullback counter power where um, I shouldn't say counter, it's just fullback lead power scheme where you're pulling Petonia, the left guard back up and through, and Nick ends up breaking a tackle and scoring. But then later in the game they closed it by kicking out that back the front side guard kicking out and you know, pulling a tight end up and through, and that's that's the play where Kareem broke two big chunk gains. So, look, it, it's good, man. When they're neutral to, to out in front of you, it is a very, very good scheme and challenging for defenses. So that's that's what they have to try to do is get out early on teams, really have great scripts so that they can be out in front when they get up early, and we know when they have the opportunity early. And, um, yeah, I think that that's where it's at its most effective. That's great, and and I think, folks, this is exactly why it's great to have someone like Jake on is oftentimes we, we wonder why certain things work or don't work, right? And so the example I always use is man coverage versus zone coverage on defensive side, and, and when Browns fans are, are in man and seeing people get burnt, they're asking why aren't they in zone, and, and when they're in zone and there's all these completions right in front of them and, and those kind of things, they're asking why they're not in man, but, but every coverage and every offense and and unless you're Pat Mahomes and everything they have going on in Kansas City, even today we saw some limitations um, on Sunday. There are limitations to every offense, and I think I think Jake just uh, shared with you why the wide zone scheme or the scheme that Kevin Stefanski wants to run uh, can have some limitations, and that's when it gets behind, uh, makes it far more difficult uh, to get defenders in that kind of that run path. Um, confusion or difficulty, uh, but Jake, you brought up a lot of the different things that they did in the blocking scheme uh, that helped the running backs do so well. I know there's one play that that you broke down um, on the OBR film breakdown, uh, which was a, a left tackle pull. So they had Jedrick Wills pulling. Um, first thing I just want to ask is that as rare as it seems to have your left tackle pulling far right to try to get through and get ahead of a run. No, it, it's not. I guess it's not common per se. It's 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 used across the league. It's not as uh, as popular as power um, is necessarily, or or maybe like you know counter or some of the traditional things that you see where they're pulling guards. But but they uh you know it's called dart. It's a pretty normal scheme for teams that are dealing with a three technique that they want to or a wide nine technique where they get a free tackle to pull. You know teams that are playing a defensive end pretty wide. And they don't have to worry about him cutting off the backside. They'll just kick out a wide, almost four eye. What a four eye means is alignment based for the defensive line. So they will put a traditionally a team with a four man front will play two seven techniques outside, and then a three, and then a shade. A shade is like over the center, and then the three technique is on the outside eye of the guard. It's just a way to balance things and, and tilt your stuff to the strength of the offense to help you stay out in front of people. Um, you know, in terms of run fits and all that fun stuff, we're not going to be able to get into all that. But yeah, what they decided was, hey man, they're they're going to give us this look to uh to this side, and, and we're going to get a wide nine situation here. And it's it was third and four, so you know the Bengals are thinking probably pass. Browns were in the gun, 
um, you would probably be thinking pass before you would think run there in that situation. And, um, yeah, they just they, they like to run that scheme a little bit. I saw it in, in camp a couple times where they, they know they have two offensive tackles to move well, and Jed moves really well. And if you saw that clip, Jed's able to, like, hop through the hole like he's, <laughs> like he's running the ball, man. So it was good. It was great. I mean, you have – and they have two, like Harrison Bryan, I posted another clip, too, where – they're able to trust their tight ends to kick out frontside players. And sometimes those frontside players that are hard to kick out that you want to keep from crashing down and closing a hole altogether is a defensive end. You know, I'm not going to be able to have Harrison Bryant do that to all defensive ends, but against uh, Khalid Kareem, he was able to do it. And, and you know, that, and Hooper was able to handle that assignment as well. And that's great to see. It can give you diversity in your run game when your tight ends can do that. When you can pull tackles or you can pull guards, and we all know J.C. Treader's um, – you know, athletic enough to be able to pull from center, and he did a couple times. They were very diverse in their run game approach, and I think that that is getting undersold a little bit. Yeah, and I think that that speaks to how the running backs did so well this week. You know, one of the things for me that was um, – it's just exciting to see all the little details. Like, I think it's so easy to go, wow, Kareem Hunt and um, Nick Chubb are just great running backs, or even just in general that these linemen are blocking so well, or tight ends, as you noted, or the Johnny Kinsley piece uh, this week. Um, earlier with fullback with Janovich and Hooper, but I think it was so many details where the play design and the teaching of Bill Callahan and and the rest of the guys really set them up to be in good positions to make blocks so they weren't just, you know, out on an island trying to block a defensive end, but the play action and the movement opens up where Bryant or Hooper can get in position they're not holding those blocks for long. They just need to be able to, to hold them for a second or so so that the back can get by them. So I, I just really appreciated, you know, just seeing a lot more details. I feel like the teaching and the technique, especially on the offensive line, have just been great uh, so far this year. And so, and, and again, as a Cleveland fan, you know, we got to love seeing a run game that just dominates like that. For you, if you had to say that was a lot because the Browns were great in the run game, or due to the Bengals' limitations with Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels out and, and some linebacker play, do you put that more on the Browns' offense, or do you think the, the Bengals' defense just wasn't up to par? It's probably a mix, Jared. I think it's a little bit of both. I mean, there's no doubt that Dan- the Bengals should have could have had more talented players on the field, but at the same time, Geno Atkins isn't what he used to be, so it's like it, it probably makes a difference on a few different plays, but they put such a burden in their on their linebackers, and they really – made things challenging for their secondary players coming down. It's like five-yard gains are, are five-yard gains until you make a safety miss and it's a 25-yard gain. And that's what the Browns running backs are able to do, man, is like they have above, you know, there's the average level of, of vision and patience, and they, they, they're certainly the average level of kind of hip wiggle and ability to run through arm tackles, and they're both way above average, man, like very, very good. They're plus players at the position, so all it can take is a little bit of wiggle room. You know, where maybe a different running back – isn't able to, you know, if you look, go back and watch the All-22 if you guys have a chance and watch that that almost game-clinching run. Kareem, I think, runs it 35 yards up the right sideline, gets tackled about the three-yard line. And Jesse Bates is coming downhill to, to, to with a great angle on him, man, to, to make it like a four-yard gain. He doesn't make the tackle. Kareem wiggles out of it. And it's off to the races. Like if you if you if you're able to make, and I, I always talk about this, running backs have to make one guy miss. If they make one guy miss, any given play can go from a five yard, four yard, three yard gain to a 25, 24, 23 yard gain. That's just how it is in the NFL. And if you can find backs, not many backs can do that, man. Like consistently make one guy miss. It's so rare to see 
you know, more often than not, if you watch Nick or if you watch Kareem, they, they, they're just so rarely taken down by the first guy. So there's credit to be given to the running backs, same with the offensive line. The offensive line is playing like a top 10 offensive line in the NFL. Look, I'm not watching everybody in the league, but I can't imagine many teams in the league have five guys playing better right now. And that includes Chris Hubbard, who came in and played really well week two. It's like there's just it's just a different aura about it, man. Wyatt Teller's playing great football, all of that. So I think it's a lot. It's a lot. The Browns, I definitely think it's a lot. You know, the Bengals were obviously, you know, they're not the, the, the NFL's most gifted defense, but they have players, man. They have players at some spots that are that are good players. But, you know, if you go back and watch the Browns-Ravens game, the Browns were able to run the ball on the Ravens in those neutral situations, too. They just had to abandon it because they had to chase the scoreboard. If you, you know, the Ravens want you to run the football when they're up 17-6 or 24-6. So they're going to, you know give away those opportunities, but but if you watch when it was neutral, the Browns pounded the football down the field running the ball. Like, they, they can do it. It's certainly it's certainly going to be a theme for them this year to get both guys, and that's what I've loved is that, like, people thought that Nick might be the bell cow, and that's fine. He kind of is, but Kareem's getting a ton of opportunities, too, because they want to keep they want to keep both of them. If you watch Nick the past two years, he's kind of faded toward the end of the year, and I think they're really driven to not let Nick fade toward the end of the year and kind of be a dual 60-40 carry situation. And if you can you can get you know Nick around 1,200 yards or Kareem around seven or 800 yards, man, you got a great situation if you end up making the playoffs with two guys who could be ready to go. Absolutely. And then this week we will have a really interesting matchup with the Browns' offensive line, which is playing like a top-10 uh, level offensive line, according to the amazing Jake Burns, against the Washington football team, and that'll be interesting to say this week, but the Washington football team with their um, defensive line, which is full of first-round picks and some amazing players, so uh, I am looking forward to that. Um, but we've had a little bit of a break between Browns games, and, and even though sports had a break, your business didn't. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in the hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a, sorry, try Indeed out with a free $35 credit at indeed.com slash blue wire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. You have 10 days, folks, to get in on that. So, um, Jake, as we talked a lot about the offensive line and the run game, um, obviously there's a lot more name value when we talk about the Browns' pass catchers. You know, we have Odell Beckham Jr., Jarvis Landry, Austin Hooper, uh, David Njoku is obviously injured right now, so you have Harrison Bryant, then obviously the backs can catch, uh, and then you have a few other players uh, at wide receiver. Unfortunately, Richard Higgins, my guy, isn't getting a lot of run, but what did you see out of uh, the Browns' passing offense uh, that you felt like worked better in week one besides the fact that they were you know playing even and, and a little and ahead most of the game because it really felt like the Browns controlled the game both on the ground and when they wanted to throw the ball what did you see um, from the Browns uh, receivers 
Well, a really good game. I thought that the quote I thought was interesting reading post-game analysis was that Baker and Odell kind of mentioned that they were testing William Jackson on the first play of the game. They ran a, you know, a boot comeback. You know, Odell's lined up at X. They booted back his way. They snuck Jarvis out, who they ended up throwing the ball to. Maybe could have thrown the drag, but they ran a comeback there to test how tight William Jackson was to Odell. Um, if the double move later would work, mm-hmm. just kind of setting it up. And they came back to it, and uh, I thought it was lovely. It was very well done, and uh, great throw, great ball. I thought Odell played well. The Browns were – I thought they made a conscious decision to put him on the back side of reads. So if Baker's not doing well with the front side reads, or maybe teams are taking away his front side reads, and they really want to um, emphasize – Baker being able to get to his second or third reads. I thought they did a nice job of allowing Odell to be the backside read. So, um, you know, if, if the teams are doing a nice job taking away Baker's front side, maybe the short side of the field, um, we're going to have Odell run a drag or we're going to have Odell run a, a sort of backside dig so that he comes into the window to be open later. That was a very conscious decision because a lot of things that they were running um, last Sunday were frontside Odell reads, and I think they did a nice job of putting him on the backside of some things uh, away from the primary read side and allowing Baker to kind of calmly know that he was coming back to Odell. Um, so that was good, and I thought Odell had a really good game. I thought he blocked hard when he needed to. You know, Jarvis just I, – I certainly can tell he's still dealing with it. I don't think he's 100%. I, I, I don't know if he'll get there this year. He might just kind of be battling through the hip and – um, at least he doesn't seem like he's at 100%, but he's still effective enough, man. Like, he just knows how to get open, caught that key fourth and two and turned it into a chunk play. Um, and, and hopefully, you know, with this extended break, it'll help him out a little bit, and then he'll get a bye week there too. And uh, But he's just consistent, uh, consistently good when they need him to be, and they found him. thought we saw Harrison Bryant take a, a large step forward. I should mention too, Kadero Hodges, clearly the number three receiver. He's the solo receiver in on 12-21 personnel um, 13, sorry, 13 personnel or 23s when they have two backs or three tight ends or whatever, whatever it is where they're, re, they're, they're keeping a solo tight end on the field, uh, sorry, solo receiver, he's pretty much getting all of those snaps. And I think they use those as opportunities to get Baker, or sorry, Odell or Jarvis a break. And um, if meaningful plays need to happen, I think they'll have their best receiver out there. But, um, you know, Kadero's playing well. He caught that, that really nice uh, first kind of drive. It's a deep deep return some people call that route where you're driving in and then sort of booting back out to the side and he was the high read on that play caught a nice ball in the first play of the game caught a really nice tight alignment out route to, that rolled eight to 12 was on time from baker really a dart and he snagged that i think Kadero's fine i think he's consistent football player that they have been have been very high on his practice habits uh his strides in this offense since the very beginning and, and this isn't to like knock Rashard higgins i think Rashard's probably fine but they don't run four wide receiver sets, and I just think he got beat out in camp. I think they like the consistency of, of Hodge, and he clearly has a better feel for the. And if I'm, I'm I can't say clearly. I'm kind of guessing here, but like, mm-hmm. if one guy's practicing better than the other, we don't get to see practice all the time. One guy's practicing better than the other, and and uh, and one guy maybe has a better uh, grasp of the playbook and personnel sets and stuff like that. He's going to play, and that's the case. Hodge is playing right now. Doesn't mean you have to bury. Richard Higgins, but, you know, Higgins is, is a tear down from the top two guys, and it was him or Hodge, and Hodge is beating him out right now, and Hodge is playing good football. So uh, wide receiver-wise, pretty good, man. Harrison Bryant, I think he's going to be a player. He had a couple opportunities that they didn't get him the football. I thought he could have had a really big game. Um, you know, I think Baker ended up throwing a touchdown on that on that uh, little rail route to Kareem down there on the goal line to go, I think that put them at 21 points for the night. 
Uh, nice, nice little catch there. But if, if Baker was a little bit more calm in the pocket, which he needed to be there, he could have set his feet and sitting over the middle is Harrison Bryant, who made a really nice move off the line of scrimmage to be open that he was missed. But uh, Harrison was open on a drag too. Like I think he he's going to get opportunities, man, and they're going to keep using him. And he's a fighter. Like I think he's a very good football player and um, is going to just keep getting better as a young tight end, man. There's a lot of positive, positive signs. And you know Austin Hooper is. Is good. They just got to keep finding ways to get him the football in some situations. They kind of had a nice third down conversion to him on a on a, on a middle dig. So um, it's it's a good group, man. It's, it's a really it's good a group lot of weapons, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's is. the thing. I think the thing that what people will really be struggling with, just as fans, is you know when there's losses, you know it's going to be Odell Beckham Jr. with seven. I'm sorry, with you know seven targets, four receptions, or you know uh, Austin Hooper is only getting two or three receptions. But the reality is, with the talent that they have, especially with the running backs and and style, there are going to be games where some of those guys don't get any balls, or they get very few, or or everybody gets four, two, three, four catches. So it's going to be really interesting in how they're used. Jake, just to get a, a real quick kind of a 30 second uh, kind of thought from you on defense, since we haven't got to spend a lot of time on that, uh, which is fine. Um, we know that the defense has lost a lot of starters to injury to Andrew Billings, who may have been a starter, um, you know, opting out. Um, when you've looked at Joe Woods' defense, do you feel like uh, he has been more vanilla to make up for the lack of talent or starters, or do you think he's been really creative, especially in week two, uh, to deal with the fact that, that they've lost a lot of their kind of top-level players, Delpit, Greedy Williams, Kevin Johnson, Mac Wilson, kind of across the board, they've just been kind of going down. What have you seen from Joe Woods' defense uh, as he's dealt with that problem? What's well, a big problem, dude? Like, you know, it's it's tough enough to implement your own scheme in a, in a system in, in, in a normal year. Then you mix in not being able to get anybody on the field until August. You're just meeting your guys. Then you mix in a week or two into camp. You've got guys dropping like flies in the secondary and the linebacker at these important positions where guys have to constantly communicate and know idiosyncratic things about each other and the scheme. And, like, it's a – I hate the lack of – it's a bitch, man. It's, like, it's really hard. And when you mix in the, the COVID stuff and the injuries, it's damn near impossible to be uh, where you even – anywhere near where you want to be. And I'm sure if you asked Joe Woods that question, he would tell you the same. There are times when you watch this team and they're struggling to line up a little bit. Um, there's some communication breakdowns, especially, like, the touchdown at the left sideline to C.J. Ozoma is a – it's a cover two looking scheme, maybe even cover six. I'll have to rewatch it, but there's certainly nobody that the corner should be worried about and should be carrying that wheel route up the sideline, and he never carries it, and he fits it in a window because no one's carrying that from underneath. And Ronnie Harrison's a little late getting over the top. So, like, there's some of that stuff, and I think they're being very vanilla. I don't think they're blitzing a ton because they don't want to leave uh, guys with communication issues. When they did blitz a few times, and I noted this on the film breakdown page, like, they they got there, and it was. It was uh, it was tougher on Joe than what it than what it was throughout the rest of the game. Like the Bengals' game plan was simple: Browns are going to play a ton of cover three, a little bit of cover six, um, you know, which is still a three high shell at the top. Like they're going to play a ton of that, and we're going to pick on you know put Joe Mixon and Gio Bernard in situations where we can pick on their linebackers, especially Sione Takitaki. They put him in space and he struggled. They picked on B.J. Goodson a little bit, uh, and then they said, hey, number 20, that, that Thomas guy, man, who's playing nickel, we're going to pick on that guy all night, and they did. Like, I think Thomas gave up like nine catches on ten targets. It's like, you know, he's he's a special teams ace, but he's not a freaking nickel that should be playing a ton of snaps. So they, they need guys back. They need guys back, and even if it's M.J. Stewart, he's a step up. I know M.J. got cut by the Bucks, and like, 
There's plenty of people to dog him, but he's a step up from Thomas, who's just not an NFL nickelback. So the Bengals' game plan was so simple. They they didn't even, you know, they knew they couldn't they couldn't run the ball all too well. I mean, they were chasing the scoreboard. I think they probably could have run it a little bit more, but they, they didn't take any shots downfield. All the the only shots they took downfield were some three step fades that they tried to challenge Denzel and Mitchell on a little bit, but none of that came to fruition. So they didn't really challenge deep over the middle of the field. They they did not feel comfortable sitting in against that pass rush. But they were able to be effective because if coverage isn't good enough, pass rush is nullified. So they said, we're going to get the ball out of Joe's hands quick. And if Joe can't get it out quick, he's going to try to create a crease to scramble. And he did. So, like, you know, it's 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 a defense that's, A, limited by personnel right now because of injuries, and, B, being super vanilla because they're trying to figure out how to get all these guys on the same page. And that's a really big challenge right now with, with the number of injuries and the limited amount of time they've been together. So my opinion is, yeah, defense is bad. Good enough to win this game. The defense is bad, but they can only get better. It really genuinely can only get better. It's, it's at a pretty poor level right now. So I guess there's a little bit of a silver lining there, um, but you need guys to get healthy and you need it quick. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, Jake, I know you have the Baker Mayfield's efficiency returns up on the site um, from the 18th, so make sure you guys see that. Anything specifically you are looking at um, coming out on the site over the next few days, either looking back at the Bengals game or looking ahead to the Washington game uh, that our listeners should be on the lookout for? Yeah, we'll post the All-22 notes. We'll do this every week. Um, The NFL was terrible with the release of (laughs) All-22 the first week. It didn't come out until... A full week later, like Thursday, like leading up into the Thursday night game, there was starting. I guess it was late Wednesday night, early Thursday morning, which is not atypical. Like two years ago, it was coming out five o'clock, six o'clock on Monday nights. Now they lacked behind, and I don't know. Maybe they knew that people were starting to get really pissed. But the Thursday night game was up on Friday before midnight. Like someone DM me and said, "Hey man, did you see the coach's <laughs> film was up?" And I was like, "What?" So I scrambled in and got a, a little bit of it posted. But, yeah, I'll do all of my news and notes uh, from the All-22 view. That'll be up tomorrow. I usually give all of my thoughts on every position. I don't post 45 clips, but there'll be enough clips to support what I'm thinking and where, where guys are currently sitting right now. So um, that'll be up tomorrow. Then we'll turn our attention by Tuesday because it's, you know, we've dealt with the Bengals for a while now. We'll turn our attention to the Redskins, and we'll get a piece from myself. Um, you know, breaking down some part of their defense, a piece from John Stephenson will break down their their uh, their offense in some form or fashion, and uh, I'm sure Johnny Kinsley, who's, who's uh, Brickwall Blitz on on Twitter, who's joined us for the film this year, will get something out too. So we'll have a lot of this stuff covering, and then we'll have our ultimate little game day preview we do as well. So good stuff ahead. Sounds good. Sounds good. And again, something that's going to be hard to remember, just like the San Diego Chargers don't exist, it is the Washington football team. The Washington football team, it does not have that other name anymore. Uh, So that is uh, good stuff. Looking forward to it again. Enjoying uh, having Jake now on, um, providing analysis each week on what he is seeing in the film, um, which I think is a blessing to all of you listeners. Um, And again, just want to talk about um, one of our key sponsors, and that is betonline.ag. The wait is finally over. Football is back. Uh, You may not be able to get to a game this year. Browns fans, some of you may be able to get there, um, but you may not be able to get to a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season, from game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props. BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day 
every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE. That's one word, BLUEWIRE, at BetOnline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook sportsbook experts. Jake, thanks for coming on tonight. Looking forward to all that you'll have on the site, and I hope you have a good week. And all of you, please have a great week. Stay safe and go Browns.